The following audio is from Lifehouse Church. We hope you are blessed by this message and encourage you to connect with us on social media or lifehousechurch.org. Hi, my name is Jessica Click. My mom came to know the Lord uh, through a Billy Graham crusade. We were at church every time the doors were open, um, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. But I can remember a turning point one night is when my I came downstairs and my father wasn't home and he was in a, a fight um, and he got thrown in jail. And so through that, it came out that um, my father had, had a drinking problem and that he was a drug addict. I started just questioning everything. This is what Christianity is. This is what Christians do. You know, I, I started to question God and looked for love in all the wrong places. So that led to a string of relationships that were based purely on the physical. Happened to get a job at a place where uh, a young man named Tim Click was working and started out just hanging out. The relationship was, was a good friendship uh, that quickly moved to a physical relationship. Two months after uh, we started dating, I found out that I was pregnant. We did decide together that we would seek to have an abortion. I remember that drive the first time. I can tell you all of the details. I remember in, inside that something literally and figuratively died in me that day. Um, there was just a part of me that I knew I could never get back. Tim and I are still dating, but I was pretty sure that I deserved for him to leave me um, because I thought that I was a monster. We did remain together. Uh, he actually proposed, and, and we were engaged uh, November of that year. In April of the following year, um, two months before our wedding, I found out that I was indeed pregnant again. This time I just made the appointment without even thinking I don't remember anything about the second time. Um, I feel like that's probably the lowest point. Feeling that God wanted nothing to do with me, uh, that I was never going to be used for anything valuable. When we hear stories like Jessica's, it kind of moves us because we, we, some of us may be able to relate, some of us may be able to just sit back and say, you know, and we start reflecting back upon our story and our life's experiences, those times where we had to come to a place of encountering Jesus and allowing Jesus to transform our hearts and lives. As I was planning for this message, I started thinking about my comeback story. I started as reflecting off of Jessica's. And I wanted to ask you today is what's your story? See, most of the time in our journey of life, we, we think of our story and we highlight the positives. We highlight, well, this is where I was when I came to know Christ, or this is in this journey, and we go through, but there are sometimes areas of the story that we kind of neglect. The times when we, in that story, we may end up thinking of what God did when God encountered, when we encountered Jesus, and Jesus transformed our hearts and lives, but then in the journey of life, we deal with some difficult times where sometimes we end up making poor choices. And, that, and we make a choice, and then instead of taking ownership of that choice, which God blesses us with the ability to have free will, free will to love him with our heart, soul, and mind, but also free will to make choices on this earth, 
of who we're going to have relationship with, who we're going to be friends with, the types of jobs we're going to have. And in the journey of life, we, we, we start this journey. We, we say we're going to commit our hearts to God. We give our hearts to God. And, and in that journey, we start making choices. And those choices sometimes are not the best. We're confronted in a situation at work. We're confronted by another brother in the Lord or sister in the Lord. We're confronted in a relationship and we have to make a decision or we're just sitting in front of a computer and we have to make a decision and we say, should I watch this or should I not watch this? Should I listen to this? Should I not listen to this? And that one choice of free will when we submit ourselves to whatever it may be leads us sometimes down a path that we never realized we should have gone down. See, there's a part of us that holds on to the day we encounter Jesus, but then as we live that life and that journey, we think that, okay, just because I made that one decision, I'm good. But there's a part of free will that I have to consistently give my heart and life to God because one decision can take me down a path that can lead me to destruction. See, there was, in the book of Acts, Sometimes we can, in the book of Acts, we find a man, his name was Saul. Saul hated Christians. And he ended up, as Pastor Kurt was sharing last week, Stephen was martyred. And as we read in Acts chapter 8, so if you have your Bibles or your notepads or tablets, you know, you know I always encourage you to do this. To take your notepad out or take your yeah, notepad, take some notes because the Holy Spirit is present in this place. And I believe the message for today is a message that can really challenge us to go deeper in our faith. And hopefully in some ways it'll renew us and, re and put a new vigor, a new passion inside of us for Christ. That no matter what our job is, no matter what our family situation is, no matter what the thing is that we may be confronted with, no matter what choice we've made, that at the conclusion of the service, I believe the Holy Spirit is just going to minister to hearts and hopefully we'll be at a place where we sit back and say, you know something, I want to be more sold out for Christ than I've ever been before. In the book of Acts, eight, chapter 8, verse 1, it says, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem, and all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. See, Saul made a choice. He made a choice that led him down a path where he set himself against God. He set against himself against God's people. And as he was going forth... He ended up imprisoning any, anybody who was a believer. He became a murderer, a persecutor. As I was reading a certain translation, he was cruel to all those he came in contact with. In other words, if you were a believer in Christ, you could have been thrown in jail. So his choice at that point brought such persecution to believers in Christ. His choice led to great persecution. His choice led to families being torn apart. His choice led to people being jailed. Just from one choice, he waged war against believers, against Christians. 
In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 5, it says this, As he neared Damascus on the journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard the voice, and a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Another translation says, Saul, Saul, why are you so cruel to me? He said, who are you, Lord? He said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. See, Saul was directed to Damascus. He was on his way to Damascus, and at that point, the Lord Jesus confronted him. Confronted him. How many of us remember the day that the Lord confronted us? What were we doing? Where were we? What decisions had, me made, had, had we made? Were we in a youth service? Were we in a church service? Were we at home? Were we just one day when life seemed to like a tsunami of things coming against us, we felt so overwhelmed that we were in the pit and we just hit that point where we, were encounter, we encountered Jesus. Saul had that encounter. And when he had that encounter, something changed. And what I found interesting in this text was that he alone saw Jesus. At that moment, when he was confronted with Jesus, he was blinded. Those who were with him, the scripture says, didn't see him. Didn't see who. Imagine that Saul, who had waged war against God's people, comes to a place. He's confronted with God on this path, and God has a plan for his life, and God challenges him. And Saul is blinded and he gets up and those around him, I wonder what the questions might have been. When all of a sudden he can see and now he's blinded. So the men who were with him gathered around him and they started walking towards their destination. I always wonder what the questions they might have asked him, like what happened Saul, what, what's going on? Did they think he was going mad? What was going on? But he came to a place where he encountered the living God. Meanwhile, on this journey, there was a man named Ananias who was a servant of God and who loved God and who was praying. And the Holy Spirit spoke to him. And as Ananias was waiting unto the Lord, let's read this passage together. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. said, placing his hands on Saul, he said, brother, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the spirit. Immediate something like scales fell from his, from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized. So the amazing thing, do you imagine this? I, I kind of was thinking about this uh, two, twofold. Now, bear with me here. So Ananias is waiting upon God. God reveals himself in the obedience of somebody who's sold out for God. So Ananias hears, hears of the, from the Lord. The Lord tells him to go meet this man named Saul. Do you think he questioned at all? <laughs> I don't know. For me, I would be like, isn't this the Saul that is throwing men in jail, tearing families apart? You know, all these things. Isn't this the same Saul? And you want me to go where? And you want me to do what? I mean, think about it. He was faithful. 
And he got up, and the amazing thing was is that he went to meet with Saul, and when he went to pray for Saul, he didn't say, here is Saul. He didn't start off with, you murderer, you liar, you coward. How dare you? How many of us would have those thoughts? But he came to him and laid hands, and he said, Saul, my brother. Wow. Talking about grace. And, you know, I was talking to Pastor Jay earlier today, and I, and I was thinking about this same, and I thought, you know, sometimes we compartmentalize passages of scriptures like this, and we put it in the past, and we say, oh, wow, that was a powerful story, but how is that pertinent or relevant for today? And then I started thinking about the persecuted church around the world, where there, there are individuals that God is still speaking to, to go talk to that soldier, to go talk to that individual that brings persecution onto God's people. See, what God did then, he's still doing now. He went to him, and he said, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road where you were coming here has sent me. And then this, this, this other part, immediately the scales were off. Have you ever wondered what happened during those three days? If any one of us lost sight for three days, all our senses change. Our perspective, our emotions, our thoughts would. So imagine this encounter he has with Jesus where he thought he was doing when he, and, and it transforms his life. He's blinded for three days. And on the third day, someone shows up, Ananias shows up and prays for him. And the scales came off. Talking about a God encounter. How many of us would sit back and say, you know something? We had the same thoughts as Ananias and say, you liar, you murder, you coward. When we think of ourselves, we say, and we could relate to it to say, you know, what is the list against us but Jesus? See, we may be here today and we have a list that's against us that we know about, no one else does but God. See, God knows us better than we know ourselves. And we get into this, this deceptive thought pattern where we forget that, that God knows us. We think, well, if I just can compartmentalize this, if I can hide this, it's all good. But it's not, because God knows us better than we know ourselves. What's our story? The big idea for us today is simply this, is that we have to begin to live new. But the challenge with that, and I, you know, when I get the big, these big ideas and these statements, I start thinking to myself, like, okay, I want to remember this. So as I go to work, as I'm with my family, I have to remind myself, am I living new? Or am I living in the man I used to be? Now, bear, hear, hear me with this. Saul, the scales came off his eyes, Right? He didn't go back to the man he was, but he, start, he was born, something transformed his life because he came in contact with the living God. So he couldn't be the man, the persecutor, the liar, the cheater, the murderer any longer, but now he was confronted to become someone new. And the passage is very clearly, after, in, in Acts, kind of gives this great depiction of it. 
Because what ends up happening is that he automatically starts talking about his story. But guess what? There are multitudes of individuals, both disciples and non-disciples, the Jews as well. They wanted him to be ki- they wanted him killed. So even though now the persecution flipped on him, so he was the persecutor, but now because of this Jesus encounter, his life is transformed, and now he's talking about what happened to him. And those around him were quick to point the finger. See, there comes a place when God, when we have to make that decision to live new, but the the challenge is that sin factor. See, Saul understood that sin was an issue, Just like we need to understand today that no matter how we compartmentalize things, we have to make a conscientious choice to live new every day. I love what my wife's told a student this past week. She challenged him. She said this. The student came in. They said, you know something? You know, I've really changed. I've really changed. I've really changed. I'm no longer doing those things I used to do. And what what my wife said, she said this to him. She said, you know something? You have to make a conscious. I believe you. I believe you. And then she said, you have to make a choice every day to live new. To remember what God did. I wonder in Saul's life if every day, every time he was challenged, every time someone said, weren't you the person that was doing these things? Weren't you the persecutor, the murderer, the like? Weren't you? How many times he had to remind himself that that's not me any longer because I encountered Jesus and Jesus transformed my heart and my life. And because Jesus transformed my life, I commit to live for him every day. We have to make that decision to live new. But what is the sin factor? And I want to read this, and I've read this before, but sin is any thought, action, or intention that goes contrary to God, and it destroys us physically, emotionally, relationally. And it destroys us spiritually for eternity. See, there comes a place with each one of us, just as it did with Saul, that we have to make the conscientious decision to say, God, change me, transform me. I don't want to be this person any longer. See, in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says this. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... He is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Let me read that one more time because I want to camp out on one thought here. It says, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says this. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. See, God intervened in Saul's life. And God desires to intervene in our stories. Whether this is our first time we're hearing this message or this is the hundredth time we've heard this message, God desires to intervene in our stories. And right now, I'd like to take a few moments and let's watch Jessica's story. We remained together uh, three years into our marriage. I found out that I was pregnant again, and of course, everything's set up right, we're married, it's fine. Eight months after Ian was born, I was pregnant again. Isaac is our second son and he was born early and I thought, well, this is it. This is God. He's going to take this baby and and I deserve that. He was fine. He spent nine days at the NICU uh, and he was fine. So it was about when they were three years old, my husband and I decided that they, we should take the kids to church. It just so happens that the first Sunday back, 
there was a couple standing on the platform and she went on to share and her testimony was she grew up in church, she knew all the right answers, turned her back on the Lord and had two abortions. So she talked about over the years she thought that she was fine but she had gone through a forgiven and set free Bible study and she now knew that she was free. And there was something inside of me that, that was craving that. I, I wanted to be free, but I didn't think I could be forgiven. So I sought her out after the service to see where I could get this freedom and forgiveness. And she had spoken of this forgiven and set free Bible study. One Sunday morning, there was a pastor that had come to the church and he started to share the gospel. He said, somebody here needs to hear the gospel. So on October 7th, 2007, that gospel was shared for me. Asked the Lord to forgive me for all that I had done, that I had made such a mess of my life, and I asked, asked Him to be in charge. I never wished or thought that a part of my life would, would involve abortion, but I know that God has used that, whether it's there at the pregnancy center counseling young girls who are seeking abortion, or sharing a testimony in a church or a youth group, just to have people come up and say, you know what, I'm hiding this sin, I'm struggling with this sin, and, and it's through that that God has shown off, um, that He's shown His glory, that nothing's too big that He can't forgive. And I know that through that, Tim and I came to Christ. Um, and I'd like to believe that one day I'll be able to hold my children in heaven. If you or someone here today is struggling with the thought of, of having an abortion, or maybe you have had an abortion, please know that there are people here in this church, there's people in the area who want to help you. There is a God who forgives. Um, there is a way out. You don't have to live with the scars and the pain any longer. Um, there is not anything too big that God can't forgive. The ground is definitely level at the foot of the cross. What a powerful story. God loves you. God accepts you. God knows where you're at right now. And in that powerful story, we want to highlight this, that if you're here today and you're thinking of that, of that story, I would want to encourage you that our pastoral team wants to take time and wants to be there for you. So as you heard Jessica's story, if you, can, if you feel just that, that impression on your heart, if this is your first time here or you've been just burying it for a while and you've just been hiding and you just need someone to talk to, you can reach out to our care team here at the church at care at lifehousechurch.org. We would love to spend some time and just minister and allow the Holy Spirit to do what he started here. See, there comes a place, just as in Jessica's life with ours as well, that we have to remind ourselves, just similar, that one decision, so hear, hear me on this, one Saul made one decision that took him a, down a path of destruction, but God and with you and with me, the same message can echo that with God, even though we made one decision that led us down an unhealthy path, with God, he can turn, thing and turn things around and transform our hearts and our lives. Some of us, if I gave an opportunity to, we could stand up today and say, this is how Jesus transformed my life. But sometimes we need to remember that that one decision, whether it was back when we first came to know Jesus or over the years. And let me, let me kind of share this story with you. I came to know Christ when I was a young person, about 12, 13 years old. I was invited to go to a, a, a small church on Long Island because my niece, who was a believer, needed, came to spend time with us, and she needed to visit the church. So what did we do? My mom said, hey, you know something? We've heard of this little church. Why don't you go with them? 
I grew up Catholic. I always wanted to, I, I always had a hunger to know more about God, but I, I didn't know, I, I was kind of limited as a young person just trying to figure it out. I remember going to this, this church and I remember uh, this pastor, his name was Pastor Schaefer, and he was preaching the word. And at the conclusion of the service, he said, he gave an altar call like we've, might, many of us might have heard over the years. And he said, he said, if anybody wants to come to know Christ or, or have a relationship with Jesus, I want you to slip up your hand. So, so I was sitting there as that 13, 14-year-old young person, and what did I do? But I, I lifted up my hand, and I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. At that moment, as a young person, it changed my life, because I always wanted to have a relationship with Jesus, but I wasn't sure what that really meant. So I started this journey, but then something happened. I started trying to figure things out, so so I got into certain types of music, and I got into, you know, watching certain type of movies, and, and uh, you know, I was just kind of trying to navigate life. And I remember that I had one of these come to Jesus moments, what I call, and I was, and a year as it passed, and now I'm 17 years old, living for Jesus. I'd gone on some mission trip, and I remember one Friday night going to youth, and uh, our, we had a new youth pastor. We had gone through multiple youth pastors over this short period of time, and this this youth pastor name was John, and and I remember one night after youth, I knocked on his door, and we were like a small group in our youth group, and we always went to the movies every Friday after youth group. It was just what we did. And I remember going and, and I knocked on the door. I said, hey, Pastor John, you want to come with us? You know, now it's been, I've known Jesus for 14, for since 13 and now I'm 17. I was like, you want to come to the movies with us? We're just going to go check out this movie. And, and he asked us, he said, what, what's, what's the movie? And then you know, we told him what the movie was. And, and, and I, he goes, what's the rating? And I told him what the rating was. And he turned to me and he looked at me. He goes, you know, Dave, he goes, you know, I just choose not to allow that stuff into my heart and my life. And I said, I was like, what? I was like, oh, I was like, you know, 17 year old. I was like, oh, Pastor, Pastor John, you're just, you know, don't be, you know, just relax. But at that point, he made this statement to me. He said, Dave, he goes, you need to make a choice. You're either going to live for God or live for the world. You can't live for both. And I remember hearing it that night, and guess what I did? I went out with my friends. And we went out, we hung out, and, but there was something about those words that just reverberated in me spiritually, and I came to a place of realizing that, you know, something God was aware. And I remember going home that weekend and taking all my records. Now, everybody remember records? <laughs> Tapes? <laughs> so I remember going home and taking all my stuff and going out, and my parents, who didn't know the Lord at that time, and getting all my stuff and taking it out, and taking it out to the garbage can, and I just threw it all out. And my mom was asking, she was like, what are you doing? I took my posters down, I had all this stuff, and, but it was the moment that the scales came off. See, there, it had been years. I had come to know Christ. I was living for God, but God, in my journey of living new, didn't take his eyes off of me, but he kept on watching and he kept on putting individuals in my life to challenge me to grow deeper. See, to, to live new, we have to come to the place of understanding this second Corinthians text. Therefore, if any was in Christ, 
The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. And I'm telling you right now that God loved me at that time just like he loved Jessica. God knew where we were at, but we had to come to a place. You have to come to a place that you start being transformed now. See, a caterpillar, when it goes into that cocoon stage, and because, or when the worm goes into the cocoon and it comes out a butterfly, that metamorphosis, it doesn't go back into the cocoon. See, sometimes in our journey, what we like to do is that we like to go and live in the past. But we have to make a decision to say, no, I am not that man anymore. I'm not that woman anymore. And I've lived in this journey of knowing Jesus. So I'm transformed. I was transformed at 13. I was transformed at 17. Why? Because the spirit of the living God was reviving and renewing and refining me as a person, just like he refines you, just like he refines Jessica and her story. Every day that we're committing our lives to God, we're living new. We're allowing him to transform us. But for that transformation to happen, something has to, ha- something has to happen in us. And we need to be able to, to let go and receive God. My friends, no matter what you have done in your life, no matter what we've done in our journey, it's not God loves us. Amen? Can everybody repeat that? God loves me. I like me. Because God loves me. Oh, man, I was wanting to make sure everybody was with me. Now, I want you to just keep on repeating that as you go throughout the week. God loves me. I like me. We're good, okay? God loves me. We got to remind ourselves of that because there's too many individuals within the world that are saying, but wait a second, I remember that choice you made. I remember that you were this, you were that. But you know something? Let's not fall into the trap and that deception because God transforms us now. Paul wrote it, Saul wrote it, as we're looking at Corinthians, that, that, that we, are made new, we are a new creation now. And so in Acts chapter 13, verse 9, it says this, Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit transformed Saul. He changed his heart and his life. He had a new identity. So his choice of the past didn't define him anymore. He now took the identity of Christ. Why? Because he let go and he received God's Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit transformed his heart and his life. Maybe you're here today and you're relating to Jessica's story or my story, or you're thinking of your own story, and deep down you still have that hurt. Deep down, you still have that feeling of, of and, and the accuser is always throwing that. They're co- throwing that into your heart and mind. There comes a place where you have to say, I'm going to let go of this and I'm going to receive the Holy Spirit and I'm going to allow God to change my heart and life. Because God loves me. Second Corinthians 5.17, if you have your Bibles, open up your Bibles, just look at this one passage with me as we begin to wrap up today. See, to live new, we, we have to be made new. And he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from this worldly point of view. 
Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The new creation has come. The old is gone. The new is here. Repeat that after me. The old is gone. The new is here. So who are we in Christ? We are loved. We are transformed. We are made new. What does that mean? That means that no matter what my hurt was from the past, no matter what my habit is currently, no matter what the situation is, no matter what my diagnosis or my struggle is, we are made new today in Christ. When we make the decision to say, Jesus, come into my life, I let go of who I am. It's not about me anymore. Paul says it so clearly that he was no longer that man who was a persecutor, but he became passionately in love with God. He had a relationship with God, and guess what? That persecutor then went out and started telling the story of how God transformed his life and removed the scales from his eyes. He told his story. What's your story today? There's a world, there are family members of ours, they're just hurting. And they wanna hear of how Jesus took the scales off of our, 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 our eyes. But if, where is that passion? Where is that Holy Spirit hunger that we say, God, I need you more every day. I want to be made new every day. I want your spirit to transform me. I want you to make me new so that I could reach out to this world. See, Saul, who became, whose name was transformed, who was Paul, as the Holy Spirit came into him, his passion became those who didn't know Jesus. And it wasn't about his job. It wasn't about his title. It wasn't about his position didn't matter how much he had in his home. His passion in his heart was to live for Jesus. And I think that's the the challenge for us today. See, God is challenging us to live a new lifestyle. a life with God in us. He's making us new so that others can see what God is doing in us. Whatever your passion is, whatever your talent is, may it all be centered on Jesus because Jesus is the one who transformed our life. He gives us the comeback. He's the one that every day wants us to to live a new life. In my journey, Pastor John challenged me. And over the years, I messed up. I have great victories. I say, God, you're amazing. But I know I've messed up too. I've made poor choices. But you know what I realize? That those choices don't define me. If we're willing to humble ourselves before God and say, God, I messed up. And I know you love me and I know you want to change and trans. So change this habit, change this hang up, change this hurt, remove it. I don't care how much it hurts, get it out of my life so that I could be a better vessel, a better of your Holy Spirit. So I can let others know of what you've done and what you can do. 
Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ have, been, have crucified the flesh with its passion and desires. God's desire, when his Holy Spirit comes in, it, it will fill us and it will spill over unto all those around us. See, so right here we have the word tells us what the fruit of the Spirit is. When the Holy Spirit is in us and is moving, so then we can't justify anger anymore. We can't justify the, well, I'm just going to give you a piece of my mind. We're not gonna, we can't justify a self-righteous heart. We can't justify slander. We can't justify malice. We can't justify pointing the fingers at anyone else. We have to come to the point of saying, we need Jesus and only he can't transform our hearts. So if we have any of those things, we can come before him and say, God, change me. So where do we go from this place? It's just simply here. I believe that the Holy Spirit is in the room. I believe God is here and he's speaking to our hearts and our lives. If you've never accepted Jesus before, this is your opportunity to say, you know, I, What's, what's your comeback story? Where are you at? Have you made choices that you feel like you can never come back from? But I tell you today that no matter what the choice is, you can come back because Jesus can transform your heart and life. If you're here today, you've known Jesus for a while, but in your journey, you've just allowed things to pile up. You've allowed poor choices to begin to define you. I'm telling you today that today can be the day of transformation for you, that God desires for you to live new. He wants to transform your life now and, and, and give you new perspective. And all we need to do is take a step of faith just like I did when I was 13, just like Jessica did in her video. Sometimes we do need to get knocked off the horse just to be able to realize how much we need Jesus. So maybe you're here today and you just need to say, you know, I've been living this journey for Jesus for a while, but I've allowed too many, I've made too many poor choices. I've allowed things into my life that need to come out. And I don't know why I did. I just want to have that fire for Jesus again. If that's you, as the worship team leads us, there's going to be a prayer team to my left, but this front area, this altar is open. And what is the altar? But the altar is a place where you could take, where it can take self we could take our own, who we are. We could say, you know, I don't care what anybody thinks. I don't care what anybody says. This is between me and Jesus, and I'm going to give this to him right now. And if you need to take a step and you just feel that, feel free to come up and pray up front. You can pray at your seat. But as a worship team leads, just know this. God loves you. God accepts you. And God wants to transform your heart and life today. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Thank you for listening to audio from Lifehouse Church, located in Hagerstown, Maryland. We believe that through Christ, life change happens here. So we invite you to connect with us further by visiting lifehousechurch.org.